This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast. That's Billy Harner. My name is Keith Rad. We're in Brooklyn, but today we ship up to Syracuse to talk to their broadcaster, Michael Chikarico. Uh, the AAA roster is made up of a lot of the guys, probably all the guys that were at the alternate site in Brooklyn, so we'll chat about that. And then some renovations that happened in, in AAA. And Billy, you know this because you're a huge promotions guy. It's a tough year to do anything, but for Syracuse, it seems like the stadium kind of speaks for itself this year as they get ready for uh, 2021. Yeah, they had a $25 million renovation to the ballpark. They've added all sorts of new party areas. They have a, 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 like a home run portion, left field and right field and different catering options. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful brand new ballpark that's going to be opening with a reduced capacity just like ours. It's a bigger place, so they'll have uh, a little bit over 2,000 fans. But um, it seems from everything that we've seen online, and I've talked to people in the Mets organization that have been up there, uh, the renovations came out beautiful. It's a beautiful, almost brand new ballpark for them. So uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens, you know, now that this Mets affiliation in Syracuse will continue to grow. Um, and it'll be interesting to see the type of th- team they have uh, this year. They'll have sort of a mix of the veterans uh, looking to get back to the big leagues and uh, a few prospects as well, like Thomas Apucky and uh, Philia Lee that are looking to make their big league debut. So um, it'll be an interesting season for them. And uh, Michael gives us a little more insight into to what to expect with uh, the AAA season this year. So, Michael, you're one of the lucky ones in the uh, the affiliate system. You guys start at home uh, this week to open up the minor league season. So how excited are you to get the, the pipes back going again behind the microphone? Yeah, really excited. And I, I don't know, lucky or unlucky, sometimes I know teams might actually prefer to be on the road. Um, it would have given our construction time a, a little bit extra time to finish a $25 million renovation project that we have going on. But I'll tell you, they did a, a fantastic job. I'm sitting up in the press box right now, and, and as, as I look out, uh, this looks like uh, an entirely different ballpark than what we saw just uh, just a year and a half ago when the last Syracuse Mets game was was played here at NBT Bank Stadium. So, um, you know, definitely a lot of excitement there. Um, and, uh, and we're really excited to be able to see our fans back, back at the stadium. I'm, I'm sure you guys are too. I bet you've heard from your fans a, a whole lot uh, in terms of just how excited they are. And, and, uh, we're definitely looking forward to having, uh, for us, it's, uh, just a little more than 2,100 fans here. So uh, definitely a lot of excitement in, in this area. So you, you touched on the, a little bit of the renovation up there. What are some of the, the big things that got, uh, changed over or, or facelifted or, new things that are added out to the ballpark there. Yeah, I mean, just just uh, from the start, when you drive up to the ballpark, we've, we've always had an interesting stadium here where, um, you know, some some stadiums, especially nowadays, are built more into the ground. Uh, but but this this stadium is almost, uh, someone described it as like a castle when you drive up, just four, four levels high. Um, and, and it has more of a, maybe not a major league feel, but maybe like a, a 4A feel uh, here, here to the stadium as, as opposed to some others. Uh, but we got a brand new home plate entrance gate. Um, you know, it's our Mets home plate entrance. Great opportunity for photo ops and, and whatnot for for fans. You know, sometimes you don't realize how how far paint can go. Uh, something that's really small, but it just gives things a, a fresh look. Um, but then inside are, are where really the major changes were made. We have a, a brand new, a huge party area past the left field wall um, where there's a 50 foot long bar. Great uh, vantage point built really high up to be able to to stand or, or sit down and and look back towards home plate which which i think really plays well to this stadium with how high it's built up so there's one of those in left field there's another party deck that's in right field 
And then our, our banquet room that was down the right field wall, that's been com completely torn down and, and built anew now is the Metropolitan Club. Um, and it, it's one of the, the best you know party areas or banquet halls uh, that I've seen at, at, a, at a major league or a minor league stadium. So, uh, you know, the New York Mets and, and Onondaga County and the state of New York certainly, uh, you know, put the $25 million to, to great use. And, and that doesn't even touch uh, all of our seats were uh, completely torn out and we have new seats in both the lower bowl and, and upper deck, a couple of cool party areas and turf berms down both the lines. Our, our video boards, the same video board, but they actually have the state of New York outlined uh, around it, which is kind of interesting. And I think that'll catch a lot of people's eyes. Um, and it actually lights up. Like if a home run set, you can kind of have orange and blue lighting going around the outside. Uh, and we have brand new lights that went in. In the past, it took forever for if you turn the lights off for them to get back on. It took like 10 or 15 minutes. Now they go on and off instantly and you can do a bunch of different colors with it. So there's definitely a lot of different features here at the stadium. And uh, just one or two of them would I think get people excited, but the fact that we have uh, many of them to point to, I think uh, you know, is, is a really exciting feature. Yeah, turf berms. I uh, I love the berm. I'm a, I'm a big big berm guy. Very jealous. Uh, anything in the broadcast booth? Did it give you like a a, a mini fridge or something in there uh, with part of that renovation at all? <laughs> uh, you know, a mini fridge would have been really nice. Um, we actually are. We, we did get a, a a big upgrade in terms of our our television station uh, television system in house. We really didn't have one of those um, in the past, so that'll be nice within all the, all the suites that were actually newly done as well. Um, uh, so just in terms of some of the camera angles and, and things that we'll get in the booth. And then uh, they we're able to revamp some of our wiring in, in terms of, and this might not really mean a whole lot to, to fans, but uh, being able to have like six different uh, ports to plug into for crowd mics and in, in different places in the stadium uh, is really going to make a difference. And I'm actually <laughs> really excited about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to play, playing uh, with that a little bit um, here as the season gets gets going. Yeah, that's uh, I'm excited for you hearing that. Fans will be like, "What? What are they talking about?" Uh, let's talk about your your roster. But first, I want to just people who are understanding that maybe our Brooklyn fans that were short season people are now high A. St. Lucie fans go from high A to low A. Binghamton remains in double A. What? How would you describe what Triple A is to a fan who is not quite sure where the players are in their journey and how it fits in the system? Yeah, AAA is definitely uh, it's it's interesting, and and we had probably the most probably the most unique AAA situation back in in 2019. Um, you know, AAA is really where you get uh, you can get those big time prospects who are just on their way up for the first time and trying to get their first crack in into the major leagues, and then you also get the guys who have been doing it for a long time and may have been in the major leagues for five, 10, 15 years and, you know, have since been really demoted somewhat, but just age, you know, gets to be a factor at some point. And, uh, you know, those guys are now more depth pieces and they're trying to work their way back to the majors. So you sort of have that, you know, that, that variance of, of two different guys, both with the same goal in mind to get to the major leagues, but one guy's trying to do it for just the first time and the other guy is trying to, get back there. So, you know, for example, in 2019, you know, we had a team that featured Rajay Davis, Carlos Gomez, Gregor Blanco, you know, guys who had, had won World Series, one, guys who had won MVPs. Uh, you know, at one point, Matt Kemp was here for a, a very short stint, and then he 
sort of hit, got her and, you know, ended up uh, calling it calling it quits here after uh, just a couple of weeks. But that's kind of what you get. You get guys who, you know, try and find that right situation for a triple A team. They sign a, you know, minor league contract that you might have an opt out after a, a month. And, uh, you know, they for them, hopefully they perform well and, and are able to get that call up. Uh, you know, by the time that opt out comes out and, and they sort of give the ultimatum to, to the team, hey, call me up or I'm going to have to opt out. And, uh, you know, sometimes it works in the player's favor and sometimes there's just not an opening. And, uh, you know, they can make the decision to either stay in AAA and, and, and try and uh, wait for a spot to open or you know, they opt out and try and find a, another situation with another team that might be more favorable. So, um, yeah, AAA is definitely, uh, definitely unique in, in that sense. And, um, you know, we, we had a team back in 2019 that, uh, you know, had, had a couple thousand uh, major league games experience combined between everyone we, we had on our team. And I don't think uh, I've certainly never seen that in, in the minor leagues. And uh, Tony DeFrancesco was our, our manager there. And, and he, had, I think, said that was, you know, the, the first time he's seen that much major league experience on one team. And, I, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to, to see it again. So I think your your starting rotation for this season, at least going into the season, is sort of a microcosm of that because you have guys like Jordan Yamamoto and Jared Eikhoff um, who have major league experience and are trying to get back there. And then you have a guy like Thomas Sapucky who is trying to crack into the big leagues for the first time. So um, can you t- talk a little bit about uh, some of the guys that are going to be with you this year, particularly on, on the, the pitching end um, with Corey Oswalt and some of the other guys? especially this year with the taxi squad, I think it's going to be pretty interesting because you'll have guys that are on your team, but sometimes they're not because they're going to be traveling for the big league club. Yeah. I'm really interested to see how that works. Um, You know, because I think, you know, as a major league team, you know, you want to be able to have those, those, you know, taxi squad guys that, that are there at at a moment's notice, but you, you have to balance that with being able to get them live reps and, and, and that game experience. So I'm interested to see, um, you know how how the major league teams end up end up making that work uh, as, as it goes on, but yeah, I, th- I think you really hit the nail on the head with with uh, you know sort of how our roster is is going to be um, constructed, and, and especially with the pitching staff with, uh, with with some of those guys, and you know you even got a guy like a, a Sam McWilliams, right, who's, who signed a, that big contract uh, during the off season without having played a game in the, in the major leagues, and, and really with having some questionable stats the last time he pitched in triple a but it comes from a tampa bay race system that is known for its analytics and being able to develop guys and uh you know the it's not like the mets offer was a, a unique one uh, to him he certainly had a lot of suitors so uh, you know i think that's that's certainly going to be an, uh, an interesting situation um you know and then then you got some so, so you have some of those guys that uh, the mets you know may have signed um, from outside of the organization and, and at AAA, you certainly get that uh, a lot more than, you know, the guys that, uh, you know, started and, and you guys, you know, may have seen, um, you know, down there in, in Brooklyn who have, who have, you know, really worked their way up. We, we're, we don't have too many guys that, uh, that have done that. And, and some of the guys we do have, you know, maybe some, uh, some less, less known names, um, you know, David Thompson, who was a, a fourth round pick back in, in 2015, we saw him at the start of last year, and he actually did pretty well. But he was a guy who just there was no room for him, so he ended up, you know, being sent down to Double A as some other guys came up. Um, you know, as far as the position player side goes, for some of the, the younger guys, 
uh, a Khalil Lee who was acquired by the Mets in, in the trade, uh, the three-team trade with the Kansas City Royals and, and the Boston Red Sox. He's you know, one of the, one of the top prospects in, in the Mets organization. So I think there's a, a lot of people around here that, um, you know, are looking forward to seeing him. We didn't really have a lot of top prospects here back in, in 2019, just with all the major league experience, uh, you know, that, that was here. And, uh, you know, a lot of those top guys were traded away for, for, uh, for some pieces. So uh, this will be the first time. And again, it's not like there's any huge prospects here, uh, but at least some, some bigger names. Uh, and I know one thing that I think uh, Chad Cruder, our manager, is excited about is uh, the amount of speed that that he'll have uh, to be able to use, especially in the outfield with, you know, Khalil Lee and uh, John Ashwi Fargus uh, and guys like that in, in, in the outfield. So I, I think there's uh, there's um, you know a lot of good tools with with this team that um, guys can be used in different ways. So we saw Chad Cruder here for the alternate site. You have to please. Do some sort of feature or something on that crazy van car that he has. I don't know if you've seen this this thing, but it is like I haven't a, yet. It's in like an armored tank. I think Billy was asking me if he got a military contract to to, to look at this thing. Have, I mean, Billy, he was giving tours to the security guards in the parking lot who were like, "Oh my god, what is this thing?" He lives in it, I think. Basically, yeah. He rolled up and it looks like a mobile dog grooming car. Like it's just a gigantic <laughs> like sprinter, and it has like ladders that go up to the roof and it's def- it's like military green and it looks like he's driving the, the pope in the back or something like that he's he's got to keep everybody safe it's a very unique i'm not necessarily sure it's street legal but he drove from brooklyn up to syracuse so i guess i guess it is that's amazing. i'm looking for i'm glad you mentioned that because now i definitely have to uh, talk to him about that and, and take a look at at that tank that he has. <laughs> yeah, pimp my ride Syracuse edition. They won on social media. Oh, God. Uh, so this, we've asked uh, other broadcasters what they think of the six-game series deal. I, I was I put on Twitter the other day that we were watching the Mets and the Phillies in that first game, and obviously, you know, tempers were flaring with Dom Smith and Jose Alvarado, and it was like, oh, my gosh, this is game one. They have two more left. In the minors, there's going to be five more left after that if that happens in game one. Uh, with that mixed in, what – what are your thoughts, if any, on the six-game series? Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting you bring that up because I know we had uh, um, the other broadcasters in our division, uh, which includes Buffalo, which Buffalo is going to be playing in Trenton this year. And when they're in Trenton, they're going to be the Trenton Thunder. But when they're on the road, they're going to be the Buffalo Bisons. That'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've never been more confused Buffalo about because, anything in my life. <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jays uh, are going to be playing in, in the you know in Buffalo Stadium, so Buffalo has to go to Trenton. But um, you know the other teams in our division are Buffalo, Rochester, Lehigh Valley, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, and, and now Worcester, who used to be in uh, Pawtucket. But the broadcasters in our league were on a call, and, and someone actually brought that up. Like, oh, do you think the six games will lead to some tempers flaring? Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, personally, I didn't even think about that until those guys brought it up and then, you know, you bring it up. So I think it's possible. Um, we opened with Scranton Wilkesbury and last year there, there was uh, some scuffle, like, you know, guys came out of the dugout and we were that team that had all the major league guys. So if they felt that somebody did something that, uh, you know, maybe wasn't, uh, you know, was, was part of the unwritten rules then they would let you know about it. Uh, there was like a home run celebration that a, a Scranton Wilkesbury guy did that caught our guy's attention, who said something, and um, and that carried over into the next game 
we played Scranton a lot after that and, and nothing really happened, but, um, you know, maybe something happens now with it, with a six game series. If you know that, that series, that was towards the end of that series. So maybe if that series was four or five more games, maybe something does happen. You hope it doesn't, especially with all the COVID protocols and, you know, guys, you know, being told they have to stay away, just separated from guys on their own team. But, uh, you know, I know major league baseball is definitely taking a closer look if, uh, if, if guys from the two teams are, are in close contact. So, um, yeah, from like a rivalry standpoint or something, I, I think uh, I think you might have to keep some sort of eye on it. But uh, I'm hoping it. I mean, from like an entertainment standpoint, like you know, sometimes it's like, all right, let's see it. But you know, from a just you know COVID standpoint and you know just baseball standpoint in general, you know, you don't want anyone getting suspended or in into hurt from from any stupid stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, we played the Hudson Valley Renegades, who are the Yankees affiliate, 30 times this year. So if there's not some type of bad blood, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. So we <laughs> talked about the um, the the one change, obviously, with the, the six-game homestands, but Major League Baseball is also experimenting with some, some other rules. Um, at the AAA level, it's larger bases, I believe. Um, so just sort of go into a little bit about that. And you mentioned the speed. I know that's uh, something that, I think a lot of minor league managers are expecting the, the changes at our level. It's you have to step off to, to make a pickoff throw um, at your level. It's a larger base. So I think even those subtle changes, a lot of people think those might lead to some more stolen bases and speed being um, more of a factor in the game going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think that will absolutely lead to more offense because um, it's even not just the stolen bases, which I think will be up, but even some of those closer plays, uh, you know, even just the home to first, if the base is a little larger, I mean, game of inches, normal time, normal base, you might be out here, you're, you're safe. So I, I think in some situations, it could certainly, like in those situations, those might be more of a, a smaller size, but I, I think it can make a difference. The stolen base, I think will be huge. Um, and I am interested to see if that leads to more excitement in terms of steals, hit and runs and, and, and things like that. I like that stuff. Um, you know, it was funny uh, in 2019 with, with Tony, um, we had a game towards the end of the year and uh, I had a great relationship with, with Tony DeFrancesco. Um, now he's kind of a, a roving in, instructor in, in the uh, organization uh, after he was the first base coach for, for New York last year. But, um, you know, I would have conversations. He loved to play small ball and, and have guys run. And, and uh, the, the fences here, the outfield fence, uh, since the renovations, the left center field fence has moved in from like 385. Um, it was pretty deep in left center. So Tony would always say like he, he, he would like to play a little more small ball, uh, try and get some hit and runs going and whatever. But there was a there was one game where before the game, I, w- I was told Tony, I was like, you know, if we get in the bottom of the first inning, why don't we, you know, if, if uh, you know, if so-and-so gets on, maybe we, you know, hit and run, you know, we haven't, you haven't really been calling many hit and runs, uh, much. And, uh, and there you go. Bottom of the first inning leadoff guy walks and, uh, Tony calls for a hit and run balls hit down the left field line for a hit and the guy in first scores. And I'm looking at Tony and I could see he was like looking up at the, at the press box. And I don't think I've ever been more proud as a broadcaster. (laughs) Like I'm making that call and I'm like, Wow, <laughs> the excitement was—it was a little more excitement than is warranted for like a midweek uh, bottom of the first inning, you know, uh, RBI uh, double. But 
um, you know, that, that was fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing if, if those larger bases here in AAA, um, you know, play a difference in terms of the stolen bases and, and some more of, uh, you know, the things that uh, might get some more offense and more excitement and just more action in general. As a, that's, a, that's a terrific story. Um, I'm sure you were like, it was almost as if you had scripted that call. You were like, this is, this is too easy. Uh, so for this year, because you know, the relationships with coaches and players is huge and hanging around the batting cage, home and road, uh, broadcasters are not part of the traveling party this year, but exceptions are made here and there. Plans are different everywhere. What's your plan for road games? What can Syracuse Mets fans expect this year? Yeah, so I'm fortunate um, in that I will. The plan right now is for me to travel to, uh, you know, do all the home games and then to travel to all the road games. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know at the, the time, you know, you wasn't sure whether you know, it really was, okay, I'll just drive myself. Uh, fortunately, our division is pretty easy in terms of travel, no matter where you are. And I think here in Syracuse, we probably have the best travel Uh, in the entire league, even when we have to go other places, because we'll never drive um, unless we're coming home. And it was like a late Sunday game. Um, You know, we'll, we'll either fly if it's more than, you know, seven or eight hours, maybe nine, like is, is the cutoff. So we'll fly to some of the the further places like a, um, like a Gwinnett um, or even the Louisville or or place like that. You know, this year we don't have to worry about that, but the, the drives, nothing more than five or six hours. And that's out to Worcester, um, you know, previously Pawtucket. And I think Worcester is a little closer than Pawtucket for, for us. So the travel would have been easy. Um, you know, fortunately it sounds like I'll be uh, what's called a covered individual. So I'll have to be a little more careful when I'm not at the stadium. Uh, you know, I know, I know there's some like rules that uh, you know, things you can and, and can't do. And, and again, I'm, and, that's so I'm covered so I can interact with the players. And it's very tough. I mean, you guys know is, you know, for broadcasters and, and PR people who are in the minor leagues, like you, you're inherently going to have some contact with the players and, and the coaching staff to get them lineups or to tell them about like interview requests and get them box scores or, you know, whatever it is. So, um, you know, fortunately for me, the, the Mets, made me a covered uh, individual. I don't know what it, what it is like for you guys out, out there in Brooklyn, but uh, I will be traveling with the team um, probably on the team bus, I guess, which will make my life a, a little bit easier. Just being able to do those interviews and, um, you know, and, and just being able to, to, to interact with them a little more, in per- again, a little more in person, but reasonably speaking, because you still want to maintain as much distance as you can but uh i know our front office has already said all right you're kind of a conduit between if we need to get something to the the coaching staff or the players we'll, we'll go through you so um you know i'm fortunate that i'm, I'm covered in, in that sense but uh you know i certainly have to be careful with everything i'm doing now uh you know both at the ballpark and, and outside of it yeah that, that'll be an interesting dynamic i think across minor league baseball with you know a player wants to change his walk-up song a player left forgot to leave tickets for his, his mom and she's coming to the game. And, you know, there's a lot of places where people aren't going to have any contact with, uh, with the player. So I think, you know, in, in theory, you know, when they're talking about these covered individuals and um, I understand the idea behind it and keeping everybody safe, but there's just so much stuff that happens at a ballpark and it's such a, a small confined space that there's just, anyway, that's uh, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, so you talked about Wooster being added to the, uh, to the, the league this year. Are there any 
um, other ballparks that are added to, to your to your AAA affiliates or, or new new affiliates that are changing their uh, their parent club or anything like that in the International League or what formerly was the International League? I guess we can't use that word. Right. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, our league's completely different, actually, not just in name, but also uh, in the teams we have. So in the past, it was the International League, which was fourteen teams, and then the Pacific Coast League had sixteen teams, and those were the thirty AAA teams. Um, now we have the AAA East League, in which we're the Northeast Division. I know it's going to be tough for some teams. Like I think the I think the Pacific Coast League now is like AAA West, and there's an East and West Division. I think is how it works. So you could be like Triple A West League East Division. That's going to be a mouthful. Like why they couldn't just name it like the Rod Carew Division <laughs> or something like that, just to make it easier right. for people, will blow my mind. But I'm yeah. sorry, I digress. Uh, no, uh, so um, so yeah, so now the Triple A West, which was the Pacific Coast League, that has ten teams, and there have been some teams that either moved from Triple A down to a, a lower division. Um, or out completely, but uh, here in Triple A East, we still have the 14 teams that we had with Pawtucket moving to, to Worcester, um, so close to the 14 teams we had, uh, and then the addition of uh, Memphis, Nashville, Jacksonville. So, so Memphis and Nashville are both in the, the Pacific Coast League. They just moved from there to the East Coast teams. Jacksonville uh, gets added to to AAA. Um, Then you have Iowa and Omaha, who were, again, part of the Pacific Coast League, now coming over to this Eastern League, East Coast League, AAA East League. Uh, And then St. Paul gets added, um, you know, from independent to to AAA. They're the Minnesota Twins affiliate. Uh, Rochester used to be the Twins affiliate for, uh, for a pretty long time. Now they're with the Washington Nationals. Who actually used to be here in Syracuse? So, uh, just a couple of years ago, we we were a, a Washington Nationals AAA affiliate. Um, you know, now they're in Rochester. So, I think that could actually be somewhat interesting. Uh, you know, I know for me, I'll I'll be able to, you know, maybe distant distantly see some familiar faces that I recognize from that organization. But uh, you know, that's something at least uh, where I'll be able to see. And you know, because we're only traveling in division, there aren't any trips to any of those other places. So while they're in our league, it's you know, this year is like, well, it doesn't really change. We you know, haven't really, we've publicized it, but uh, for us, it, it hasn't really changed much because we're not playing any of those guys. Omaha, the uh, the the easternmost team, and that's, uh, that's interesting. Interesting. The the, ge- the geography of all this, you know, I know that was one of the things that they were trying to figure out um, with the whole rearranging of things. But, I mean, if you look at, like, our league, we have, uh, a team in Hudson Valley and, and Brooklyn were like the two northernmost. And then we have a team in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and a team in uh, Rome. I mean, like that's – you have to take three blu- three buses and a plane to get from, from here to there. So it'll be interesting when this all sort of gets back to normal, hopefully, in, a, in next year or, or soon after, um, to sort of see how things – I mean, you're, you're used to having some further distance travels in, in AAA, but, uh, you know, for, for our league, we went from – Vermont, right? I mean, Vermont was the northernmost and West Virginia was the southernmost and you went there every now and then. But, you know, this will be interesting how this all plays out going forward where you're going to have teams going from, you know, the the Twin Cities and St. Paul to Jacksonville. Um, It's going to be some interesting plane rides and and bus trips for sure. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they do. Like I know for us in the past, it was, 
it was a little different because we, when it was the 14 teams, so we had six teams in our division and then the other two divisions had four. So I know it was a little bit different for those two divisions, but like for us, um, you know, our schedule was always, we would play the other division teams in the other division, three games at home, three games on the road. And that was the only time you, you saw them, but you would at least, you would get a road trip to, you know, you'd get a road trip everywhere. And then you would get one, one time those teams um, coming in. Uh, and then, you know, the teams in our division, we would play anywhere from you know, I don't know, 14 or 16 times all the way up to 22 or 24, you know, depending on the team, depending on the year. Um, I'll be interested to see what they end up doing now with the 20 teams moving forward. And you know, obviously this year, it's just, uh, you know, for us, it's just in the, all playing the same division, but um, you know, in future years, is it maybe a travel to one division this year? And then the next year you tra- you know, you travel to the other division. I know I, I broadcast in Auburn back in uh, 2016 and that was our schedule. I don't know if it was the same for you guys in Brooklyn, but for us, it was like, we would go to, you know, we would travel to one division one year and then the next year we would travel to the other division. Um, yeah, that was our like Auburn double days, New York Penn league schedule. Um, so I, would be interested to see if, if they do that, um, you know, in future years for our 20 team league, or I did game it out in like in a 140 or 142 game schedule that they were going to have, like you could do one trip to each place and just shorten the amount of times you play teams in division. But like, if you do want to reduce travel, that's, <laughs> that's not the idea. So I don't know. There's a lot of things that they can do. And maybe now that, you know, with COVID and everything that, you know, could change things moving forward too. I'm for the European relegation model where, you know, whoever comes in last place in our division has to go to Rome the next year. <laughs> on the bus fifteen hours. But I don't think that'll get through for some reason. We're going to get letters from people from Rome, Georgia saying, just get down here for one second. You'll see how amazing it is. But, uh, uh, but Michael, you are, uh, you're getting going here. You're the, you're the luckiest broadcaster in Syracuse. The word cold doesn't come up when we interview you because you are uh, like a flower in the summer and spring here. Everybody else says football, basketball, and the cold of Syracuse. But good luck this year. Thanks for coming on. And hopefully we'll we'll send up players to AAA uh, as often as we can. Enjoy those new crowd mics. Yes. Thank you. And I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, always great to, uh, to talk to uh, – guys like yourself and uh, talk some baseball. I finally have it. Like, you know, it hasn't necessarily hit it's starting to hit me. Finally, like baseball is actually going to be played. It's going to be really fun. So uh, good luck to you guys during, during the season. I know we'll, we'll be in touch. So, uh, so yeah, definitely looking forward to it.